I'm excited to start a new teaching series today. It's a five-week series, and we're sharing some of the details. But we're also kicking off a brand new year. And I just want to celebrate that we had our biggest year in every way we've ever had as a church. If you're new to Mercy Road, this church started just over six years ago. We used to meet in a living room a little over six years ago. And at Christmas Eve, we had 1,953 people worship with us through six Christmas Eve services. 29 people gave their life to Christ at those services. And I want to thank you guys for that. I talked to a woman in the lobby after the last service that was one of those 29 people, gave her life to Christ. She's talking about getting rooted possibly now and beginning to live her faith out, studying the book of Matthew for the very first time. Like life change is happening, guys. It's so cool to see. We had hundreds of people just in the fall give their life to Christ. In fact, at one service in August, we had over 30 people give their life to Christ just at that service. I believe now is the time of the book of Acts that we can see God living and active. There are sign-up sheets coming around that you too can sign up for Rooted, like I mentioned. If you're like, what is that? Uh, We only do this three times a year. It's coming up in a couple of weeks. It's a 10-week discipleship experience on Wednesday nights. Child care is provided. It is the number one thing in our church. If you are new, I would encourage you to get into It's only 10 weeks long. If you don't like it, good news, there's an end date to it. It is where we start tons of new outposts, our missional communities out of Rooted. I encourage you, man, uh, sign up. It's a 10-week discipleship experience. Uh, You'll do a study together in a smaller group. It's going to be our best one yet, hopefully. Uh, But so many things happened this last year. In fact, we had our, our biggest giving generosity year ever. We had over $1.5 million given through Mercy Road Church. And here's the best part. A healthy church might give away 10% of those resources, which would be over 150000 You get all gave away over 35%, over half a million dollars, went outside the walls of this church to help people in need, to support missionaries in Africa and different parts, to build homes in Ensenada, Mexico, to plant four churches here in the state of Indiana, to resource our outposts to make a missional impact for those in need. We had about five different Christmas giveaways happening through our outposts for families in need. All of that. Can we just celebrate that you all did that this year and that I don't take that lightly? We could have spent $350,000 more on our building and staff if we would have done what a a typical church would do. And I don't say that um, because other churches are bad. I share that because I want to celebrate the generosity that you guys live with. But it takes sacrifice. And that's really what this teaching series is about. We've entitled it uh, Unleash the Lion. I'm going to encourage you to turn in your Bible, power it on, or turn in the one in the book rack to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. That's in the Old Testament. We're going to get there eventually. Like this, literally the sermon is going to be half over before we get to Judges 6. It has been a fun weekend, man. I hope you're ready for it because you're going to get to hear the heart and soul of Mercy Road Church today. And we're kicking off the new year. And I know it's like new year, new me. I'm going to change some things. I'm going to get control of my life. And I want to share with you the number one, I believe, as a Christian, the number one most important thing you should do to kick off the year. And that is to fully unleash the power of Jesus Christ in your life. I'm going to read for Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, you don't need to turn there. It's going to be on your screen, but it's where we got the the title, uh, Unleash the Lion, from. It says this beginning in verse 1 of Revelation chapter 5. You ready to study God's word? Church. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
I'm ready, Pastor. You guys ready? Here's what it says, verse 1. Then I saw the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides, and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll. But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside If you're new to the book of Revelation, we believe this is a literal revelation vision that John, the disciple, was caught up to heaven and got to witness the throne room of God. And there are future prophetic things that he talks about, but here he talks about the only being in all of the universe that could open the scroll was one person. And any guesses who that one person is? Jesus. Now, if you're new to the book of Revelation, it is a literal um, vision that he was given but he uses a way of writing known as apocalyptic literature, where you use vivid imagery and numbers to communicate very real things. So a moment when it says he had seven eyes and seven other stuff, we don't believe he actually has seven eyes and he's going to look like a lion or look like a lamb when we get to heaven. Uh, it's talking about that he sees with the eyes of God and it's, um, he is the lion of Judah, as we'll read here. Look at verse 5. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah... The root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scrolls and its seven seals. The seals, the scroll, what it's talking about here is the one to redeem humankind, to put the world as it should be. And there was nobody in all of creation that could fix it. And they're weeping because all of God's creation has been torn away from him, except for the power of the lion of Judah. The, the image of the Lion of Judah was an Old Testament image that the Israelites had used that the Messiah, which means anointed one, would come from the tribe of Judah. There were 12 tribes of Israel, and one of them was Judah. David, the king, was from the line of Judah, and it was thought that the Messiah would come from the line of David. And we know from Matthew chapter 1 that Jesus' lineage through Joseph comes from that line. And so when it says the Lion of Judah, it is a reference to Jesus Christ and the power that he has. I was thinking about that. And as you start off the new year, I believe for me in my life, I can't speak for yours. The only power that has been truly transformative to help me become the person God created me to be was when I fully allowed Jesus Christ to use my life, to believe that he has the power and the authority, the only thing in all the universe to face whatever it is that you're facing. Maybe as you head into this year, you want to improve your marriage or you want to improve your dating life or you want to improve your issues with addiction or you want to improve your workplace or you've got visions for what God could do with your life and it just seems impossible. I want to encourage you, the point of this series and the point of this message in particular is that with the line of Judah in your corner, anything is possible. But look where his power comes from. Verse 6 Then I saw a lamb, another image used to describe Jesus. The lambs were used to uh, be given as a sacrifice in the Old Testament, that it would take on the sins of people and the animal would get what we deserved. It was a gruesome thing. It was meant to be. And that it atoned or covered up for our mistakes. That image is given to Jesus here, that his power comes from his sacrifice, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. Verse 7, he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell face down before the lamb. And they're going to begin to worship him because he's the only one that has the power and the authority to truly transform human history. 
And I believe it's the same for your life and for mine. Will you pray with me? And I'm going to discuss this a little bit, and then we're eventually we're going to get to the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6. Pray with me, God. We pause right now, and we acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit with us. We know that each of us are coming here with different spiritual backgrounds, and maybe we need to encounter you in a very real way right now. May you use this time together. Speak to us. May we hear you with fresh ears, Lord. We pray, Lord Jesus, that we would fully allow you to be unleashed in our lives in 2018. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. Amen. I want to put this question up on the screen. Will you remove this year the leash that you and I have put God on in 2018? You're like, wait a second, I haven't put God on any leashes. I want to tell you, I believe that everybody in here, we have a tendency to compartmentalize our lives just a little bit. Do we have any pet owners out there? Any pet owners? Yeah. Wow. This is the service, man. Anybody been walking your dog in the negative 12 degree temperatures we've been having recently? Any crazy people? We're going to pray for the salvation of people who rose their hand there. I I don't walk uh, a dog, but if I did walk a dog, I would definitely use a leash. And when you uh, walk a dog, what I know, I see some of you crazy people out there at negative 12, you got your yoga pants on, got your sock hat, you got eyebrows that are icicles, and you're just out there jogging, having a great time, walking your pet, right? And I see some of you, though, that I just go, I'm not a good, uh, I'm not Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer, but I know when I see someone who doesn't know how to walk a dog. Right, Because you let all this slack out and that that pet just takes you wherever it wants to go and you're constantly getting pulled. Some of you go through life feeling like that. So some of you go, you know what, in 2018, I'm not going to live like that anymore. Like a a good pet owner, you're going to take control of your life. Right? Shorten that leash up a little bit. That dog's going to go where I want to go. I'm going to strut out in life. Going to do what I want it to do, how I want it to do it, when I want to do it. I'm going to take control of my health. I'm going to begin to exercise and diet in 2018. Amen? I'm going to begin to get my control of my emotional life. I'm going to see improvement. I'm going to sleep more. My kids are going to be better behaved. I'm going to do better in school. I'm going to do better in my career. It's all going to happen. I'm going to take control of my life. You been there? Come on now. Hey, nothing wrong with that. I believe in hard work and effort and sacrifice, and that's a little bit about what we're talking about. But if it doesn't begin with something a little bit different, I believe all of that effort and control won't lead to the life transformation that God at least has you designed for. You see, all that hard work and control, sometimes we take that and we apply that type of pet master relationship, dare I say it, to our relationship with God. Only we're the ones holding the leash. It's like, okay, God, this is what I'm doing this year. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to go where I want you to go, how I want you to do it. And when you don't, I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be upset at you. And we're going to become frustrated together. You ever been there? (laughs) Could you imagine the power of the Lion of Judah? Have you ever taken a lion for a walk? I don't think that is a safe thing to do. I talked to somebody at one of our services who had been at the zoo recently, and they said, Josh, I saw this full-size male lion roar, and I have never been so terrified in all of my life. He's like, I can still picture the heat of the breath of the animal coming out, and I just froze in fear, and I see what a prey would do when I was confronted by a lion. I don't think it's any mistake that it compares the power of Jesus and his work on a cross to a lion and the authority that comes with that. So, I mean, you probably know this, but putting God on a leash isn't going to be good for you or good for anything that God would like to do in your life. 
What following God looks more like, following Jesus in 2018, would be to remove that leash, take it off, and say, God, I'm now going to go where you want me to go. I'm going to do what you want me to do. And I'm going to take control of the areas you've called me to serve in and to live it out. And I'm going to live a full fervently, as hard and passionately as I possibly can. But I'm going to go how you want me to go and where you want me to do it. Whenever I think of this, I think of a friend of mine um, named Dave Kaler. Anybody remember Dave and Denise Kaler? Uh, he's retired and moved to um, Texas. I got a picture of him and Denise and their grandkids here. They... Uh, they were some of the early people that joined Mercy Road Church uh, before we launched public services at Clay Middle School in Carmel in 2011, so just over six years ago. When they first started coming, the, most of the church was these young 20 and early 30-year-olds that had no idea what they were doing and really immature, and these two awesome people came around, and they were in the prime of their life, of their careers, and they're probably early 60s, although you never thought they looked like it, and they actually began to serve in our church. And we used to tell people, maybe God, if you come here and you don't see people who look like you, maybe God has brought you here to reach people like you. And they took that seriously. They would stand at the front doors of the school and they would welcome people as they come in every single week. Everybody knew Dave and Denise. They were there all the time. I got a picture of when we used to worship at the school, actually. Uh, this is a long time ago. You may not have seen it back then. And then we moved from that school after a year and a half to this little building off of College Avenue. We only had 5,000 square feet of usable uh, space for all of our kids' ministry and worship on a given weekend, smaller than some of your homes. And when we did that, we were, grew rapidly. We ended up having to have five services at one point. You remember, remember those days? You used to sit on the floor a lot of weekends, just pray the fire marshal didn't show up. It, it was nuts. And Dave and Denise would be there at the front door welcoming everybody when they would come in. In fact, when we moved to that building, we didn't have any money to do it. Dave was a vice president of a great local company. He would get off of work after working all day long, and he'd go over to that building every single night. He wasn't a contractor. He was just a little bit, a little handy, and so he'd go over there and work on it for hours upon end every single night. It got so bad that his son... Andy Kaler, who was 30, called me and said, Josh, you got to stop having my uh, dad go over to the building. The doctor has contacted us. His blood pressure is so high from the stress of going over there every night that he's afraid he's going to have a heart attack at any moment. I'm not making this up. And so I had to tell Dave, you are no longer allowed to serve Jesus anymore. We need you on the sidelines. You're going to have a heart attack. But that's just how Dave was. He wanted to see God so fully released in his life that if one more person came to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord, it was all worth it. So if you want to know how Mercy Road Church went from a living room to this, I get asked that a lot. It's because Jesus is real. His power still works. It didn't just happen 2,000 years ago. And people who are allowing him to fully use their life and not compartmentalizing him, not putting him on a leash, they see him show up. This is how crazy Dave was. Dave, one time, uh, he was out riding motorcycles in Idaho, and he wrecked it, and he shattered his rib cage. I got a picture of it here. That's his ribs. And he um, was told not to leave the hospital. He left it that day, got on an airplane, flew back, and volunteered at the church the next morning. That's how Dave was. <laughs> I can't make these stories up, man. One time, Dave came up to me on a Sunday morning, and he goes to shake, ask my wife, he goes to shake my hand, and I went to shake his hand, and I was like, oh, what, what in the world? And I looked, and he was missing a finger from the last time I'd seen him. I'm like, dude, what happened? He goes, oh, I was riding a motorcycle yesterday, and I wrecked it, and I broke my finger, 
And they said they could fix it, but it would always kind of stick out. So I just told them to cut it off. Because I need to go shake hands at the door at Mercy Road Church. Getting the four finger shake now, baby. It was pretty awesome. But that's just how Dave was. We love to tell those stories. Look, I don't think you have to have your finger cut off to serve Jesus in 2018, but I think the type of commitment and passion to say, God, I'm fully yours. Use me. That, Dave probably hadn't lived like that 20 or 30 years earlier. God had gotten a hold of him in a way where he just wanted to live it out. We only get so many days on this planet. What would that look like for you in 2018? What would it look like? See, uh, Now to get to the story of Gideon, if we're going to fully unleash the power of Jesus, there's this great story in the Old Testament that demonstrates the power of God. What I'd like us to do this week, if we're going to unleash Jesus fully in 2018, we're going to have to experience white hot faith. You know what I mean by white white, hot faith? We're just passionately in love with Jesus. And it's not fake. It's not contrived. Like you actually love him and you want to share share that with people. So I want to give you just a few points from the story of Gideon. I'm going to move quickly if you're taking notes. And the first one is that some of you, in order to have white hot faith in 2018, you're going to have to cry out to the Lord for help. You're facing some tough things and you don't know how you're going to get through it. The story of Gideon goes like this. See, the Israelites have been given the promised land and these judges raise up to rule, but they stop following God and at one time they lose some of their land and they're being invaded by the Midianites. Gideon is going to be raised up as a judge and with just 300 people, he's going to defeat the Midianites and get their land back. But it's going to seem impossible. Verse 1 in Judges chapter 6 says this, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord for seven years. He gave them into the hands of the Midianites. And here's how he did that. Verse 2, Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mounting clefts, caves, and strongholds. They're living in caves, they're so afraid. Verse 3, Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land, and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. It's literally, they, they plant crops and they have their livestock and the Midianites and others invade their country, take it all over and pillage them. It's kind of like what happens to the donut hole section of the cafe when Mercy Kids are released after every service. Just go and pillage that whole thing. The Midianites are destroying everything. They're not just kind of a little afraid. They've got to be petrified at this point of the Midianites. I want to ask you this question. Have you ever faced something you were completely petrified of? See, I think if you're going to experience white hat faith, you have to begin with a moment of crying out to the Lord to face the fears of what's going to keep you from living for him. Some of you, that's going to be in the area of your relationships or your finances or your addictive habits. But some of you, that's going to be in the area of your time and prioritizing your schedule and your calendar. I don't know what it is for you, but it's going to take you facing some of those fears of why you can't fully follow Jesus in order for him to actually fully utilize your life. You're going to have to cry out to him and say, Lord, I need your help. That's what happens in verse 6 here. Verse 6 in Judges chapter 6 says this. I'll read it right here. Oh, there you go. When the Israelites, no, verse, verse 6, verse 6, I want to get this just a second. I'll open it here in my Bible. Verse 6 of Judges chapter 6 says this. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Thanks, guys. They cried out to the Lord for help. They say, God, we're getting oppressed by the Midianites. We need you now. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, in verse 7, it goes on and it says, 
They cry out to him passionately, and he's going to show up. He sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. See, we're afraid to cry out because we're afraid we can't really get past the thing that we're facing. Let's not put this lightly. They're being invaded by the Midianites. Their lives were at stake, even their livelihood, their crops, their animals, everything. They cry out to him, and he's going to raise up a prophet and say, hey, I gave you this land. I parted the Red Sea. I gave you a safe passage for 40 years in the wilderness. I drove all your enemies out before you. You got here because of me. Just cry out to me. Some of us, we're not going to begin to experience God fully until we have that emotional moment where we put everything aside and just cry out for help. Number two, some of us are going to have to change our definition of possible. We're going to cry out for help, and then we're going to change our definition of what's possible. That's what happens in verses uh, 7 through 9 in the passage that we just read. That they, he's going to say, don't forget about, I gave you all this, change your definition of what is possible because of me. But Gideon, like many of us, begins to question that. Look at verse 13. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us in the hand of Midian. See, it's really easy to say, change your definition of what's possible and really believe God could uh, begin to conquer some things in your life because the line of Judah is in your corner. But then when we actually try and live that out, it's a scary situation. And for some of us, we compare ourselves to everybody else when we do it. Right? Like you say, I really want a better relationship, better marriage. And, and then you see people online, your friends that you went to high school with or college with or whatever else, and they have the perfect spouse. They are so in love. All their pictures are kissing each other. They just so, they probably have great lives at home, just perfect in every way. Their kids are the most well behaved kids on all of social media. They're always smiling in every way, perfectly combed hair, always dressed to the nines. Like, well, how, why can't I be more like them? And like getting you begin to say, that's not really possible, God. I'm not going to become somebody like you want me to be. It's, not, it's just not going to happen. It's not in the cards for me. And you need to change your definition of what's possible. It, you want to say this lightly, Gideon believes some of the very thoughts that you might be thinking. If you were to fully unleash the power of Jesus this year, the doubts and the fears that come into your mind, Gideon had some similar ones. Look at verse 14 with me. It says this, uh, Judges chapter 6 in verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord, again. That's two pardon me's. Uh, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. I know some of you feel like this. You're like, I'd love to serve God and see these things happen in my life, but you know what? It's never going to happen. I didn't grow up with a great family. I never had anybody teach me this. I've done it too long the other way. It's just not going to happen. Gideon's like, I grew up in the, in the, bad, the weakest tribe and the weakest clan. Manasseh wasn't even one of the good tribes. You may not know the Old Testament. That's like you grew up on the other side of the tracks. This was like the bad people in the Israelite community. And he grew up in the weakest clan of them all. And he's from the weakest family in the weakest clan in the weakest tribe. And God's going to use him to save all of Israel with just 300 people. 
You have to change your definition of what is possible. And number three, realize that white-hot faith adjusts your perspective. If the Lion of Judah is truly in your corner, the power that redeemed all of humanity, what do you think he could do with you? I want to show you a picture of John Gammon. I interviewed him on the RV last weekend. It was a lot of fun. John spent 18 years in prison. 18 years in prison. Uh, through Inside Out Recovery Ministry in prison, he, he gave his life to Christ, became a fully devoted follower. When he got out of prison, he sacrificed everything he could have done and went and lived at Inside Out Recovery, the ministry that you all supported through the Expand the Vision campaign. Thank you, guys. We raised more money towards an end-of-year campa- campaign than we ever had, over $270,000, and there's still funds coming in. We're still a ways from our goal, so we extended it throughout the rest of January. We're not going to mention it a bunch on the weekend, but I still believe God could see us to completion, so be praying for that. And a good chunk of those funds are going to support almost, I think, double the number of former inmates that Inside Out Recovery can minister to. But this guy now has a great job working for renewing management, serving the Lord. And when he got back out of prison and he lost his adult son, he had to walk through some more pain in his life. And yet he didn't give up. He continues to tell people about Jesus and say, God, use my life. I know some of you didn't spend 18 years in prison. This guy hasn't given up. He believes that he could adjust his perspective of what's possible because the line of Judah is in his life. What could God do with you? Let me tell you some other dreamers. I'm going to get a little crazy. I'm going to tell you about some of these people in our church that are the reason that we have seen this little living room church minister almost 2,000 people at Christmas time. Let me tell you about Mark Talamentis. How many of you know Mark Talamentis out there? Uh, yeah, he's going to be coming down actually with uh, clipboards right now because Mark Talamentis sets the tone. That's a great picture of Mark, isn't it? Uh, sets the tone for what sacrifice in our church looks like today. Uh, and I got the next figure. He was actually baptized here a couple of years ago. He's been in a discipleship huddle. He's getting ready to lead his own discipleship huddle. But he's here every single weekend at every service helping him make sure all the chairs are straight, running our ushers, doing everything. He's a volunteer. We, we don't even allow people to serve every weekend. We only want people to serve up to twice a month. Uh, but Mark's just so crazy. We're like, okay, Mark, whatever. Just go for it, man. And he, he, we are so thankful for his service to the church. He was one of the first people, are you ready for this, to ever receive the coveted Dave Kaler Commode Award. <laughs> I'm not making, I know if you're like, Josh, that looks like a little golden toilet. It, it is and this is the most coveted volunteer award in our entire church. And he, Mark Talamantis was one of the first to receive. Stacey Reed from our First Impression team currently has this, and she allowed me to borrow it. If you're like, why do you have a trophy of a little golden toilet? Well, at the old building, we wanted to remember all of Dave Kaler's sacrifice and effort over there when he almost had a heart attack so we could get into that building. And so we said, well, Jesus said the first shall be last and the last shall be first, so we can't name the auditorium after him. But upstairs in the little engineering uh, offices that we turned into a church building for two years, <laughs> the, up right above the auditorium we met in, there was this high-powered toilet. Anybody remember this? Anybody? Uh, you might think this is awkward, but this part of our story, man. And every single weekend when the kids had to use the restroom, we would hear, as we're, I'm preaching, we'd hear, <laughs> and I always remember one weekend we heard, <laughs> and then we heard, <laughs> and I looked up and water was pouring from the ceiling down to people as I was preaching. I just kept preaching, man. We're not going to stop. That's just how things were back then. People in American church culture have gotten so soft. So soft, man. We used to have toilet water poured on people. We just kept going. 
So we couldn't name the auditorium after Dave, so we named the upstairs bathroom after Dave Kaler. That is a true story. And so we want to always recognize the Mark Talamantes. Maybe you could be somebody to serve on one of our teams and begin to say, God, use me. Do something in 2018. I want to serve you. Or maybe you're going to be uh, like some of the other people I'm going to mention here. Maybe you're going to be like uh, John Gammon that I mentioned or Christina Huffines. Anybody know Christina? Uh, you've heard this story before. Christina uh, started out Line Divas, but she came to us as a single mom in financial need. We helped her a little bit, and then we told her about Jesus. She gave her life to Christ. She got baptized. Her kids got baptized. Then she got in an outpost. She said, hey, I want to impact a young single moms like me, and so I'm going to do extreme couponing to help resource them with things they couldn't otherwise have. And so she started Dotted Line Divas, became its own 501c3. They now minister to people all over the state. She's been on the radio, TV, uh, newspapers, different things. And they have their own space off the Methodist Church of 86th Street. All because one person said, I believe I'm going to change my definition of what's possible and adjust my perspective because the line of Judah's in my corner. Use me. Let me tell you about Rich Abbott. Some people tell me I talk about Rich too much, but I love Rich because Rich is a dreamer. <laughs> that, Rich, you're at the service. Hey, yeah, baby, come on. Rich, Rich uh, came to Christ through pub theology with Pastor Darren and uh, started coming to the church and, and he would share some of this. I'm just sharing what he'd share at his events um, that he was looking for some friends and he found that in church and he, he was like, you know what? I want other people who are looking for friends to experience what I've found in Christian community. And so I also love WWE wrestling, he said. So I want to start this ministry where we watch WWE wrestling and then we talk about our faith with each other. And I was like, that sounds like a terrible idea, Rich, but you just go for it. And you did, didn't you? And it was an awesome idea. And before you knew it, it began to grow. And then he said, you know what? I want to put on live wrestling events. I was like, Rich, man, you're going to tire me out. And he, he uh, talked to Darren and I. And, and then we literally, what, three or four times now, he has taken every chair in this room, in our auditorium, taken it out, and put a, a life-size wrestling ring in here. That is Bushwhacker Luke from the WWE. He was here and wrestled in our auditorium. Right? I mean, you go talk to him about all the famous WWE and WWF wrestlers that have been here and impact in some of these other uh, wrestling companies I've learned about. And he's seen people give their life to Christ. All because he just said, you know what? I'm going to change my definition of possible, adjust my perspective. The Lion of Judah is in my corner. I want to see him use this short time I got on this planet to make an impact. I'll tell you about some other people. Uh, Eric Maitland, our fearless worship leader, he finally, after six years of working for this church, got his dream job of a full-time position. We never paid Eric much. He pretty, the first year, he literally worked for free. And so he finally gets this full-time key. He just had it so cushy. He, he had his, bought his first house, a small house. Uh, but he did that for about a year. And this last fall, he said, Josh, you know what? I want to get more outside the walls. I believe I could do my job here and not have it be full-time. Uh, you guys could pay me part-time and then resource my ministry with this other stuff. And so we've, we have done that. And he not only works part-time because he believes so much that he wants to tell people about Jesus around the state of Indiana and help with the opiate addict addiction occurring, an epidemic occurring in our state. And so he's devoting his life to that. We need more crazy people like Eric. Amen. Him and his wife have continued to do that. They'll go anywhere God calls them to do. Some of you know this last one. I get it. Teresa Powie at the last service. She left her job as a full-time nurse just to volunteer to run our women's ministry. She's discipling women throughout her church. Some of you know Tenoria Askew. She was a top four finalist on MasterChef, but we met Tenoria when she was going through a tough time and we were meeting at the, the, the school when we first started the church. And she became a full, fully devoted follower of Jesus and said, I've been working at a, a credit union and I want to start cooking and telling people about Jesus. 
It's like, okay, change your definition of what's possible, adjust your perspective, the line of Judah's in your quarter. She does it. And next thing you know, she's on MasterChef. She's telling millions of viewers about Jesus, sharing her faith. Been all over local radio, TV, newspapers, all that stuff. And she continues to do that today, has her own business, Tenoria's Table, and that's what she does for a living now. I want to tell you guys, if you stop dreaming with your small, our small human eyes and we began to say, adjust our perspective, if the line of Judah's in our corner, that God could take 300 people and free them from the Midianites, what do you think he could do with us? The fourth and final point I want to make as we close out the service, and I just want to say this, um, we set goals every year as a church. I, don't, I realize this. I don't set goals in my personal life. You know why? I, I think goals are something we like to mark off a checklist. I realize I set obsessions. And some of us in 2018, instead of setting goals, we need to set some obsessions of what I'm going to devote everything in my life to, no matter what it takes, no matter what comes between me and it. If God is calling me to do this, I will do everything it takes for one more person to know Jesus Christ. That's crazy people, isn't it? The fourth and final point, we need more crazy people. We need some people willing to risk everything to fully unleash the power of Jesus Christ in this world. It's the only thing that changes human lives. I really believe it. That will change them for all of eternity. That we will look back one day and celebrate all God has done. Gideon, in verses 22 to 24, it says, When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Ah, sovereign Lord, I have seen the, the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is peace. It still stands today in Judges chapter 6. That he, he begins to say, okay, God, I'm going to stop saying, pardon me, Lord, and questioning everything, and I'm going to be crazy enough to allow me to use you, and 300 people are going to free them from the Midianites. But before that happens, before the victory occurs, he builds an altar to the Lord to remember the more important thing of when he met him face to face. And some of you, if you get crazy enough to prioritize getting uncomfortably close to Jesus in your life this year, you get involved and rooted, you begin to live your faith out fully, you're going to see God do things you never thought were possible. Never in a million, when we used to uh, have 40 people, I remember a preview service, we had 40 people at the service, and we shared the vision that one day we'd like to see a million people give their life to Christ through the wake of impact that would happen through the church. There was only six point some million people in the state of Indiana, it was crazy, and it still seems a bit crazier today, but every year it gets less crazy. We've seen so many hundreds of lives changed here, and in fact, we planted four churches last year through Multiply Indiana that almost doubled the size of our church just within one year, and we're going to be planting at least three or four more this year, that we could genuinely see a wake of impact made throughout the state of Indiana, even within our lifetime, which I didn't even think was possible. And now we're dreaming big. Okay, God, what could you do next with us? We've got uh, Multiply Indiana, the church planting network. We started a, a music label called Multiply Records uh, that we want to see fully unleashed this year. The Multiply Conference is going to be a two-day event next year focused on kingdom advancement and church planting for business leaders. It's going to have an aspect of, of it for you as well. We've got a couple of CEOs who are going to be there who are strong Christians. It's going to be a huge event, November 7th and 8th. National speakers coming from around the country. The Multiply Magazine. My wife didn't even want me to mention this, but she's been volunteering to start a two-issue magazine this year to help people know about the conference and church planting articles of kingdom advancement occurring in the state of Indiana. If you have any journalistic background or you've ever worked with a magazine in any capacity, reach out to us. We'd love to get you involved. Multiply events through Mercy Fest and other events happening throughout the state with Craig Dorica. We want to advance the kingdom of God in our 
our lifetime. What could he do with us, guys, if we actually began to see with God-sized eyes instead of our little human vision? It's going to require sacrifice. It's going to require us saying to change our definition of possibly crazy enough to actually pursue God's best dream for our life. That's what it will take. But I believe it's possible. I believe with more Dave Kalers and Mark Talamantis and all the others, it's possible. What could he do with your life in 2018 if you've allowed Jesus to fully be unleashed with his power and his authority in your life? Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for every person who is here. We believe, Jesus, that you were the only being in all of the universe powerful enough to open the seal to allow us to be redeemed and live with you forever in heaven and to experience you in our life now, God. So there are some of us in the room, we have known about you and may even have had salvation before, but we have never become fully devoted followers of you. We've never surrendered our our schedule to you and everything in our life. And this year, we want to take the leash off, stop compartmentalizing our relationship with you and say, we are fully yours. Use us this year to have white hot faith.